Awesome. Well, welcome back to the STR Handbook Podcast, where we have Andy Laws on today. He's a senior BDR manager at Braze. He's also a top five UK SDR manager, and he's actually worked his way up from being a BDR within Braze all the way now to being a senior uh, business development manager. He's also played professional cricket, uh, which is super cool. Um, so I guess uh, welcome to the podcast and thanks so much for coming on. No, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I guess speaking on that, where you've been at Braze since you were BDR and it looks like you were more on the strategic front when you first started at Braze and now you're BDR manager. And I, I'd love to know um, what that's been like being able to move up within a single company um, and what you did in your job throughout it that maybe if we're speaking to different levels, were you doing things outside your job description to be able to move up? Were you just doing really well in the job that was at hand and focusing on that? Like, what did that look like for SDRs out there that maybe either want to do the same thing as you or maybe move and move their way up to another company? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, the ride's been pretty whirlwind. I think I've been in the business almost four years now. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, started life out at I think age 27 as a BDR at Braze. Um, they'd actually just promoted or about to promote three BDRs out of the team. So there's myself and one other BDR. So he looked after everything SMB and mid-market. And then I had the entirety of enterprise. Um, so there was an absolute ton of stuff to go at, but it was kind of like the Wild West um, when I first started, which um, yeah, made it fun. And, and my manager was based out of the West Coast um, in Santa Monica. Shout out Wendy Hankemeyer. Um, and... That presented some opportunities and some challenges, right? Whereby, you know, I had a a set period of time during the day where really the only resource I had was myself, uh, my my buddy, Sam McGill, who's the other BDR, and then um, the account executives. And we just, we made it work. And um, yeah, found ways of working and and found ways to be successful. And then at, at different points, Wendy would wake up and then wind us back in and telling us we were doing it wrong or we needed to do it a different way um, and gave us a little bit more of that additional structure. And yeah, as the company's matured and I've kind of gone through that journey. So of the processes and the ways that we work as well. Um, so at the point at which I was about, I don't know, maybe six, six to eight months into my role as a BDR, we started hiring more BDRs. Um, Wendy still managing the team over on the West coast and, I don't know. I just, I like naturally gravitated towards being that support crutch and supporting with the onboarding and making sure that everyone was okay. And their EBDR alignments were good. And like, there was no issues with territories and rules of engagement and stuff like that. And I just started to naturally like pick up some of the roles and responsibilities that you would potentially look at as someone moving into leadership. And I know, you know, Wendy was then off the back of that kind of like initial support pretty keen to get me in and kind of look after the team a little bit more formally and it's really just snowballed from there so you were so what you're saying is when you guys hired more and was that on your uk team or on the u.s team yeah uk team so the the u.s team was relatively well established they had a a manager on the east coast that was that was managing that team um but Mm -hmm. there was a, a bit of a gap and a bit of a gulf um for someone to really look after um, what was a rapidly scaling EMEA team um, mm-hmm. in London. So you stepped in, so you saw, okay, we're hiring a few more BDRs on the team, but we have this one, at, at that time, was it just one director that was dealing with all of you guys, um, which was Monica? So 
you kind of stepped in and said, hey, okay, awesome. I'll help these BDRs since, okay, we have this one person and just be able to step into that role, even though you weren't a team lead at this point or there was no designated role. It was just you helping and making sure that they were successful. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I've and I've carried that attitude right through to today. Um, and you know, my manager's just been promoted to now look after the global organization. And I'm already thinking, well, how is it that I'm going to step into the shoes so that you know, I have responsibility for the entirety of the region. What are the things that I need to get across? How are the things or what are the areas in which I need to backfill the responsibilities of, of Dell, my leader? And then also, how is it that I can try and resolve some of those things that were causing her pain points or keeping her up at night? And and actually just having a really open, honest, transparent conversation with with whoever your leader is to understand what those things are. And then you can collaboratively work towards those with knowing that you've got some degree of a safety blanket too. Like that's the nice thing about it is I've got some stretch goals that I'm working to. And, you know, other people when they're thinking about that promotion, like ask for those stretch goals and then make sure you have those consistent touch points whereby you can loop your hiring manager or, or your manager in to get the additional support that you need or the different additional education that you need that's going to help you get there. But that's such a powerful way of getting to that next step is like asking what are the areas you can support on or, or recognizing those areas and then really leaning into trying to, to solve for them. Yeah, and I guess through that, like this is something that we spoke about, like obviously through that time, or even now being a BDR manager and, and a senior one at that, um, obviously your focus is helping the team do better um, and be the best they possibly can. One thing we spoke before is that you're very data-driven, um, Back taking it back to your cricket days and you spoke about like how baseball plays part in that. Um, I'm curious like what data then now as a BDR manager, maybe even when you're in SDR, maybe any data that you paid attention to to maybe help you um, along, um, what is that data that you're uh, paying so much attention to and how is that utilized um, within the team? Yeah, sure. I, I always start off by saying that I was never particularly proficient with numbers at school. And even in my cricketing days, I didn't respect the data that was necessarily available to me. And it's only in hindsight with the education and guidance of, of Wendy and Dell as my leadership here at Braze that I've really started to respect it. And now, my attitude when I came into the, to the SDR role at Braze was, well, I have this athletic pedigree. Invariably, I benchmark myself to be the hardest working person in the room. And I always rejected the premise of working smarter, not harder, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you were tell, to go and tell Michael Jackson or Oprah Winfrey or Tom Brady or whoever, oh, yeah, just work smarter. No, they're, they're the hardest working person in that room. And it just so happens that they also work smart on top of that. And it took me a little bit of time to, to really work through that. And, um, you know, I, I started to really wrap my head around the data piece when I was probably like nine, 10 months into the SDR role. And I started to just have that additional capacity to, instead of just like looking straight in front of me or looking down, I could start looking around and actually understanding, right, okay, where are the potential indicators and areas in which I can understand where to burn calories, right? Our worst enemy as an individual contributor or as a salesperson is time. We all have the same amount of time. doesn't matter whether you're the best SDR or the worst SDR. We actually all have the same amount of time, you know, give or take a couple of extra hours here and there that you choose to work or not. Mm -hmm. So some of the data points that I started to care about 
um, were namely around like because of the, the how much of a wild west it was for me. I didn't really necessarily have strict territories. All I had was I could go after any company over a thousand employees at the time, right? So it's right, pretty, okay. yeah. Those, so those are always uh, where, like a larger, larger yeah, yeah. Where do I start and where do I end with this? Yeah. So <laughs> I started to look through. Right, okay. Where are most meetings being booked by industry and by market? And then which industries? Um, were we closing the most business with, right? So it'd be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. We're booking a ton of meetings in this industry, but we're not closing any business here. That's probably not worth my time. Oh, but actually these three industries and these three markets are where we're booking a lot of meetings. We're getting a lot of late stage pipeline and we're closing business, right? Okay, I'm going to go into my Salesforce instance. I'm going to look at either my named target accounts with my account executives, and then maybe even just what else is out there within the CRM. And then I'm going to come up with a plan to really lean into those territories or really lean into those industries, knowing full well that I'm going to be well received um, when I go and do my outreach, when I have these conversations. I also have a ton of like logos to refer to because we've won business in this space already. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of starting point for me and where I started to really like pick up some speed and, and start spending time in, in the right places. And then there were like other areas that I would look at. I think close lost is always a really interesting place to, to go and have an understanding of. The first thing is like, is there any trends in you just never winning business in particular industries or particular markets? Um, but equally, there's also a lot of low hanging fruit that exists within uh, a close lost report over you know a period of maybe 24 to 48 months, particularly on the enterprise side where you know contracts are being signed on three to five year agreements generally. Um, so where, where have we had a conversation and it's fallen down, looking at the outcomes or whatever that closed loss was, you know, if the timing wasn't right, when was the timing not right? And now does it make sense for me to reach back out? And, you know, I could, I can very vividly remember a number of conversations for myself, but then also with my team, whereby we've periodically gone back to close loss list, just sent a really short, hey, is now better, better to talk or, hey, we've had this update to the product. Is this now more relevant? And then conversation kicks off and we win the business. So um, again, just like simple use of your CRM system can can bring to light some great opportunities. And is that typically something that you see that maybe RevOps is building out those dashboards or whatnot? Or is it just like um, your team or an STR just going ahead and saying, hey, I'm going to go figure out all these closed loss and then go from there? Like what? If I'm an SDR, am I gonna? Should I be like, hey, I know going into this, I need to go find those clothes lost myself and not rely on anybody else? Or, yeah, I think it's easy for me to sit here and say, um, yeah, everyone should build these reports, but and you know, Braze is a is a strong business now from you know a human resource standpoint. So, yeah, I think like wherever possible, I would be trying to lean on the expertise around you, whether it be RevOps, SalesOps, whether it be just your your line manager or your sales manager, depending on the size of the organization. Hopefully they have a reasonable proficiency in like how to use reporting and how to use your CRM system to drive the data that you need. Um, mm -hmm. That would always be my advice. The other thing with that is like, as I said, you only have a certain amount of time and hours in the day. You don't want to be spending hours having to hack through how to build a report. You should be focusing on doing outreach and picking the phone up and sending yeah. emails and connecting with people on LinkedIn. Like, let other people do their job and then come to you with the information that you need. The only thing I would say is like, if you're if you're later stage of being an SDR and you know that actually 
your resource from RevOps or SalesOps is limited, then maybe you want to start developing how it is that you use your CRM instance so you can be a little bit more autonomous. And certainly with my more senior reps, I, I encourage them to look at their capabilities and just being dangerous enough within the CRM to, to get what they need out yeah. of it. Hey guys, so I know this is super weird. This is so different. It's not just the podcast straight. Well, we actually have a message brought to you by Andy, who's the guest today on his new SDR playbook. I'm going to run that. He's got a sale going on for it. And that'd be great to offer that to every listener. What is going on, guys? I am thrilled to say that my SDR playbook is finally out for release. It's been a bit of a labor of love over the last few weeks and months putting it together, but I'm delighted to now say that it is available and currently on sale for early bird bookings and early bird downloads. Um, this is all of my work um, and experience from the last four years, and I've distilled it down into a number of actionable resources that you can um, take a look at here on the right-hand side. And for those listening, it's inclusive of a personas framework, so you get to really know your personas, um, account research and a planning guide, a cold calling cheat sheet so you can smash the phones. Um, there's an ABDR collaboration framework in there, so you get the most out of working with your account executives. It's the exact framework that I use with all of my AEs through my tenure is a BDR. It's the same one that my guys use in my team now. Uh, the outreach cadence and sequence structure that I use to book all of my $7 million worth of pipeline. Um, a discovery qualifying call guide to make sure that you are 100% uh, prepared for all of your prospect meetings and know what questions you need to ask. And then arguably the most important piece out of all of uh, uh, the work that you're going to do over the next 12 to 18 months as an SDR is that personal development plan and your promotion plan as to how you're going to get to your next role. The perfect structure that I carried multiple SDRs through to get to their, to their next step. So go grab yourself a copy today. As I said, it's on sale. Um, and then, yeah, let me know. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for that, Andy. And now back to the show. Okay, that makes sense. So spending time... If you need to build it yourself, you can, but, you know, most likely, you know, hopefully either you're finding it, that your manager is doing these building these things for you. So you can just hop in and really focus on the outreach, but the, which at the end of the day, that's what you're measured on. That's what you need to be doing. That's going to be the most successful thing for the company anyways, because that's, that's what you're there for. Um, okay. And then I think um, we, we spoke about this before, but obviously Bray is, if anyone doesn't know, is an IPO company and you guys are a publicly traded uh, company. And, um, I found that really curious because I've only really spoken with SDRs and whatnot in the past that have been part of companies that are private and obviously private versus IPO in many ways is different because you're looking at quarter to quarter versus years um, when it comes to a private company who doesn't need the pressures of um, quarterly updates and, and whatnot. Um, so I'm really curious as to how that has affected how you uh, go about training your team and looking at um, goals each quarter. Um, and how do you think that maybe if you feel like the team is even more overachieving due to the, the fact that you guys have a quarterly, qu quarterly basis that you guys have to hit certain um, things as a company, how could that then be pushed onto a private-based company to really even maybe get more out of their team, even if they're not IPO and have those pressures? It's a really good question and um, 
I think the the first thing is like the fundamentals don't change and shouldn't change. Like if I think if I think about um, the end goal and the end state, it's always been the same, right? Like that that target's always existed, and you've always strived for it. I think two things really stand out, or two things really um, feel additionally prevalent now than they probably did prior to the IPO. The first one is the importance of forecasting and where you actually think you're going to get to, um, and yeah, I, I think probably prior it felt less like less of important to like be forecasting really accurately against the number. Obviously, you'd be striving to do that, but like n- now, there's obviously a tangible difference, and there is a very strong um, drive for accuracy from senior leadership to make sure that they have the mm-hmm. truest view possible as to you know obviously the state of the business and the direction it's going in. And this is set in the same with with the results, right? Like you can very clearly see the tangible impact that you're having on the business, like in the public eye and in the public space with the share price now and and how we're performing. I think it was, it was interesting. Like when we were going through like our ultra high growth phase of like scaling and adding more people to the team, because you could see your work being returned in human resource and teams getting bigger. And like now it's still kind of the same, but on on the kind of flip side of that, yeah, like you, you can see the share price and you can read the earnings calls and, you know, you can see the reports of closed one logos and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, like our team was involved in that. So yeah. um, it's, it's definitely high pressure. Like it, it obviously counts for a lot and it feels a lot more real now, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of cool to, to have lived on both sides of the fence and and also yeah see see the the tangible impact you're having on the share price now. Okay, awesome. And I guess like when it comes to um, private based companies, do you feel like there's anything they can uh, learn from that? Where obviously, like you had mentioned, um, we spoke about needing to do reporting and making sure there's more like more to that which obviously you know me having come from private companies i know that reporting isn't always the best um in how you do things do you feel like there's an advantage to being reporting more and having more insight like that and um if so what that what that advantage may be there's definitely more there's much more data and, and analysis and scrutiny around all areas of the business um both on an individual level on a team level um and like an organization wide level um how much of that is just because I'm more exposed to it now from a leadership standpoint and I'm a little bit more tenured within the business. And I was obviously fairly, uh, fairly junior, well, very junior when I joined the business and and whether I was just ignorant at that point, I don't really know. But I think in the three years, yeah, three years or so that I've been doing the leadership side of this job at Braze, the rigor and the process and the systems that have come in through that time to create better accuracy and enhanced performance and just find incremental ways of like bettering the way that we operate is is second to none like from what i would see as being a relatively immature state like operating a lot out of google sheets through to now having all sorts of um technology or you know using you know really working salesforce a little bit harder or a lot harder to to get the information that we need and to, to drive the accuracy i think they're the big changes yeah there's just a lot more rigor around how you operate and in, in a more um tenured business oh, awesome um something that we spoke about before was um emotional intelligence and that's something that you've worked on um and done keynote 
um, chats on, you've worked with founders of companies on, and obviously at the end of the day, you've worked that with SDRs as well. Um, I'm curious why you think it's so useful, and obviously you spent a lot of time around it, and how that plays in part for SDRs and what you've seen and from SDRs that utilize emotional intelligence or at, like, at least try and practice it more um, in their day-to-day um, from your team or just anyone in general? I think from a, from a leadership side, particularly within the SDR function in a lot of organizations, I don't think there's any more important skill to have personally. And, and the reason I say that is most people coming into the SDR role are probably anywhere between the ages of 18 and 30, right? And um, it's an entry point, it's an entry segue, and it's either people's first job, or maybe it's their second job, or, you know, they're transitioning careers, or maybe they're like me, and they've come from, um, like, uh, vocational, or like sports, or arts, or military, or whatever it might be. And even from my own experiences like your 20s can be relatively turbulent right you're trying to find your place in the world um you you know you've got money issues or like money worries for the first time probably in your life as a as an adult um you might have moved cities you've got to find new friendship groups or establish new relationships maybe you've had like what you thought was a long-term you know relationship with a partner that doesn't work out um, maybe you've um, experienced bereavement for the first time, right? Like maybe you've had a close family member pass away for the first time in, in your adult life and you've got to deal with that. And then on top of all of that, where you're, you're dragging all of these things within your life, you've then got this job that you need to do where you've got a target on your back and there's two lanes of learning, right? It's not like when you're an AE and you go, right, okay, moving company, I need to learn this new product and know how to sell it. Right. You should, yeah. by that point, theoretically have a decent understanding of what good looks like for, to be an AE. Most AEs have yeah. been an AE somewhere else. When you're an SDR, you've got nothing to refer to. Like it's your first job in this space. So with all that stuff going on in the background and relocating, whatever it might be, you've then got to learn what does good look like from an SDR standpoint, but then like what the hell is this product or service that I need to sell to? So you've got all of these different layers and from my from my personal experience like putting the human first and understanding the individual and getting to know them and how it is that they are you know psychologically and emotionally and spiritually and religious like whatever it is mm-hmm. actually if you can if you can level with them on on that level you'll get the most out of them if you put the performer first and don't have any appreciation for the human being you aren't going to get the best out of them and they certainly aren't going to get the best out of themselves so um i think that's probably the most rewarding part of of my job quite honestly it's like it's not training sdrs and like coaching sdrs and making them amazing aes like it's about helping young adults like find their way in an industry and find their way in in like the early parts of their adult life that's the most enjoyable thing and and how does that look like when you when speaking on using this in practice like how do you go about working on that with SDRs? Is that just in like one-on-ones with them? Is that in a passive way of mentioning certain things or is it a very active like weekly or monthly thing that you're doing with them um, to allow them to expand on this part of um, their life? I think that like for me, I've always been relatively transparent with my team about some of the trials and tribulations and experiences that I've had away from uh, like, my professional career and I think that's probably given them some degree of feeling comfortable that 
they can do the same in sharing with me. And I really make a conscious effort to do that. And, you know, there'll be some one-to-ones or a lot of one-to-ones where you're either sat on a screen and having a conversation and looking at graphs and datas and email graphs and whatever else. And there'll be other occasions where I make a real point just to check in and be like, how's everything at home? How's your girlfriend? And I'll make, I'll always make the effort to know who their partner's name is and like what what's going on in their world or like, who their parents are and where they live and stuff like that and really try and get to know them as the individual and then when the weather holds out in the uk which is pretty rare but when the weather's half <laughs> decent like yeah. i'll i'll try and find opportunities to get in and instead of doing something in what is a relatively sterile and formal environment of an office space we'll just go for a walk or we'll grab a coffee or whatever and you know we'll we'll talk about whatever comes to to light in that period of time but i will always try and make the effort to to talk about life away from work um, over and above like what's going on in terms of the number of meetings booked in the amount of dollars against pipeline, for example. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's what I really like um, you mentioning about going for like a walk or grabbing a coffee instead of sitting and being in the office for like a one-on-one. Um, that's actually something I've never seen probably most, most managers do. So that's actually really awesome that you'd spend the time to, to do that. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think speaking on, on this and, and leaving on this topic, which I think is like a huge topic for a lot of SDRs to even put into. And I think what we did great on that too, is that um, it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about is that this is like that account executive to SDR um, comparison you gave, which is that they are coming into a new role. They typically don't have SDR experience before. And now they're coming into a whole new thing when they need to figure all this out while having all these things in life, which is just a whole part of life in general, which as an account executive, you can probably deal with a lot better because you know your boundaries within how you spend your day or you know how to deal with these meetings and these meetings are as big of a deal and, um, and whatnot. So I think from an emotional intelligence side, um, you obviously know your stuff and you've thought about these and that's amazing. And I think anyone listening that um, thinks that that could play a big part even in their in in their role um it's a huge thing so really appreciate you coming on andy um this has been amazing it's been awesome to have someone like you to come on and, and give us some insights into how you spend time with your team and how you go about your team um so once again really appreciate it just want to hand things back to you put you on the spot of any last words or anything uh, last piece of advice or where people can find you um yeah Good question. Or like seriously on the spot, like any kind of final <laughs> words of wisdom. Um, I got asked this question on a podcast the other day. Actually, it was like, what what would you tell your former self, like bef- as you became an SDR? And um, I think the, the first thing to to do is have fun, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be periods in in any job, but where your things aren't necessarily going to go the way you want them to, or things aren't necessarily going as well as they could do. But overall, like, you know, have fun with the job um there's you know you're not trying to save lives like we're driving pipeline right like (laughs) have have a bit of fun be creative and then i would the the second thing i would say is um just in yeah like enjoy the the small wins right i think it's very easy to get caught up in like trying to get to that next step trying to get to become an account executive um but actually just appreciate the journey as you as you go through it and focus on it day by day and just trying to find incremental improvements in in what you're doing like they're the, they're the two things that I would I would say is like 
the primary takeaways of, of my life as an SDR is trying to enjoy it as much as I can and then just trying to find those ways of just getting 1% better each day. And then, yeah, you'll be amazed at how quickly you can move. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate you coming on. Um, see ya. Thank you.